0: Pameva matacha pitatwameva Pameva bantu chasakatwameva Pameva vidyadra vinam pameva Pameva saravam mamo deva deva. I bow to the God in all forms and in your forms, and I bow to the same God in all religions. My guru's great message to the world was that God is in all religions also. He's worshipped in many different ways. But you know, as Sri Ramakrishna so beautifully put it, some people like Shondesh, some people like rock candy, some people like honey. Everybody likes sweetness. And so God, in all these forms, one of the great mistakes that people make is thinking that it's got to be this way or that way. There is no best religion, because it depends on people. It depends on their ability, how they can approach it. This does not mean, however, that all religions are equally right, because some religions have a little bit of the truth, some have much more of the truth. No religion has everything in the sense that it always still depends on the people who practice it. And so you do find that ignorance basically is 50-50. Nonetheless, I have to say that in the Hindu religion, they have something that you don't find in other religions to such an extent, the concept of moksha, the concept of getting out of the ego completely and merging in the infinite. This is the essence of religion. It's the essence of all true religion. It isn't the essence of what people have understood of religion. That's the difference. My guru's mission was particularly to show the oneness of the Christian religion, the teachings of Jesus Christ, as he basically and originally taught them, not as they are taught in the churches, but as he brought it, and uh, the original teachings of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. And he showed through his writings how these two scriptures basically teach the same things. The uh, ideal of Christianity is not just getting to heaven. You know, when Jesus talked of heaven, he was not speaking of an astral paradise. You will see again and again. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The astral paradise, he, it, even that's temporary. Ultimately, everything merges back into God, and usually when he used the word heaven he meant that state of absoluteness beyond all manifestation i'd like to read a passage from my gurudev's book conversations with yogananda and uh, this is number 46 i and i inquired of him once do many christian monks and nuns attain high spiritual levels well The answer to that, even if it was Hindu or any other religion, would have to be no, because as Krishna says, out of a thousand, one seeks me, and out of many who seek, maybe one here and there knows me as I am. Nonetheless, his answer was particularly interesting. He said, very few of those who do, moreover, almost none reach the heights achieved by the great yogis of India. Now, the reason for that is that they aren't given heights to aspire to. As he went on to say, monks and nuns generally find inner peace as a consequence of their renunciation. Christian monastics, however, are not encouraged by their orders to seek spiritual realization. Few reach it, therefore, unless they were born with already very good spiritual karma from the past. It is wonderful to see that certain saints in the Christian religion have achieved that state because they were born with that karma and because their religion is a true religion. The problem, my Guruji went on to say, is the approach in those monasteries is negative. It is what I call the bullock cart method of seeking God, plodding along with earnest petitions for redemption but without any understanding of how one can assist in the process. Kriya Yoga, by contrast, is the airplane route, for it teaches the seeker how to withdraw his energy into the spine and then to direct it up the spine to the brain. By following this inner route, one cooperates with the way divine grace actually works. In this way, one can achieve realization much more quickly. You see, when you just pray for grace, but don't know how to go with it, you can ask for grace and not even, it's sort of like not knowing where the door is. As one person came to him once many years ago and asked him, um, he said, I have my own path of bhakti yoga. Yogananda said, that's very good, but you see, you've been like somebody in a room for 20 years looking for the door but trying to get out through the wall and through the ceiling and through the floor, Kriya Yoga only shows you where the door is. That door is the spine. And so he said you can achieve realization much more quickly. That's why the great yogis of India achieved such great heights. I mean, inconceivably great. From these words, and from others that I heard from my Master occasionally, I came to understand that Orthodox Christian monks and nuns, by their concentration on attaining perfection outwardly by such matters as comportment, miss the true point of the spiritual path, which is to seek deep inner communion with God. Even the practice of kneeling, though an outward gesture of humility, prevents the inward withdrawal of energy and consciousness from the senses. This obstacle can be overcome by intense devotion and may in fact help to fan an attitude of humility, but it poses an unnecessary obstruction to the inwardness so necessary to divine contemplation. Western monastic discipline approaches the question of perfection by suppressing one's natural inclinations. This may sometimes be correct if the inclinations are harmful, but only if it is balanced by directing one's aspirations also positively toward bliss. Bliss, on the other hand, is no mere mental concept. It is God's very nature. We must cooperate with bliss and not merely pray that it be given to us. We must not hope to be its merely passive recipients. Indeed, we should pray with bliss. Suppression, even of wrong desires, can easily result in blocked energy. How many pitfalls there are on the spiritual path? Most of them the ego itself digs. Few spiritual aspirants in either west or east shine with that radiant inner glow which comes from the actual experience of divine love and bliss. And so you find that so often in religion, people consider their religion a matter of outward actions, outward behavior. I remember I went to a monastery. Actually, I stayed in a Catholic monastery for six months. It was a lovely experience. It was an inspiring experience. But uh, it wasn't my path. And I remember going to this monastery, and there was this nun who met me there. And she talked with this hushed reverence, and she said, Over there, we pray to our Savior. And just around then, the uh, priest who was their confessor came with a box of chocolates. And it was so funny. I never heard a more girlish giggle of delight than when she saw these chocolates altogether genuine as opposed to this hushed reverence. Listen, when you're religious, be genuine. When you love God, just don't say, Oh, God, I love you. And when... In the back of your mind you're thinking about all the uh, other things that you have to do when you get out of your meditation. Be frank with him. If you don't love him, tell him, I don't love you, but I want to know. Be sincere. And if you want to seek God, then you must be obedient. You can't just say, I will choose my own way. I remember when I came to my guru, he asked me to give him my unconditional obedience. Well... Nobody had ever asked that of me. Nobody had ever asked me obedience. In fact, I was a bit of a rebel. But I had faith in him. Reading his autobiography of a yogi, I just knew this man has what I want. And so, still I, I was desperate to be accepted as a disciple. I just, there was nothing else in the world that I wanted. And yet I had to be honest. So I said, but sir, if I think you're wrong sometime, how how can I give you my obedience? He said, I will never ask of you anything that God doesn't tell me to ask you. I said, in that case, yes. I give you my unconditional obedience. And I lived by that. I did my best to always submit my will to his guidance. And I found something marvelous came of it. You know, there was one disciple who told me, well, I don't believe I should be just completely obedient to him because I have to develop my own will. Otherwise, I will become weak-willed. Now, I mentioned this to Master, just not as a snoop or reporter or anything. Just ask what his opinion would be on a statement like that. And he said, but he's not free. He's following his own whims and fancies. You find freedom when you do God's will. Then he mentioned his most advanced woman disciple, Sister Gyanamata. And he says that uh, some people said to her once, why are you always doing his will? You, should, you have your own will. You should be do your own, uh, go your own way. And that's why the way to become strong. And she said, well, she was an old woman. She said, don't you think it's a little, bit to change, a little late to change? She said, but I also have to say that I have never been so happy as I have been since following his will. You see, when you follow the guru's will, it's not like following another person. To follow the will of an unenlightened person is altogether different. That can be weakening to the will. But to follow the will of somebody of wisdom, that's different from monastic obedience. That kind of obedience is doing going against your desires in order to make your your soul transcendent, your inner freedom transcendent. What I found was that the more I attuned my will with his will, the more I could do just what I wanted to in my deeper sense, rather than following my whims and fancies, as I said. I found such a sense of freedom. You see, free free will is not doing what you want. It's being able to do what is right for your own happiness. This kind of freedom comes from surrendering the ego and realizing that you aren't the ego. You are that infinite self. You and God are one. You know, the gurus never go according to their separate will. They always... The freedom of will, in other words, doesn't mean being able to do something that is totally unpredictable. It means, rather, the ability to always follow the divine will. That's why the life of Jesus Christ, for example, was predicted long before he lived. His death by crucifixion was predicted long before he was even born. He didn't have to go through that. He himself said, if I wanted to, I could ask of my father a legion of angels, and they would come and save me from this death. But... It is not his will. To be able to do that will is not to be independent of God, to be completely subservient to God. My guru went through many tests in his life. There was one time when, in taking the karma of his disciples, he had to go through a prolonged illness, as many gurus do toward the end of their lives. And uh, there was a woman who was summoned to help him as a nurse. She was a very materialistic person, atheistical, who resented, had nothing but contempt for what we represent in our teachings. She had He had to be moved physically. She couldn't, he couldn't move himself. But she moved him in such a way as to just, without any care for his feelings, for his, his comfort, just sort of roughly turning him. And of course it was painful to him. He told us that I kept my mind down in the body so I could experience suffering as other people do. But he said, at a certain point, the light, blue light came in the spiritual eye, and I heard the Divine Mother's voice saying, give it to her. And I said, oh no, Mother, your will be done. I could have destroyed that woman if if I had chosen to. Divine Mother even gave me her permission But you see, a great master is totally surrendered to God's will. People ask me sometimes about the miracles he performed. Yes, he did perform miracles, but what greater miracle than that to just be totally surrendered to God's will, to know that you can do it differently, but still say, Mother, whatever you want. The song we're going to sing is called Cloisters. And it's a song I wrote in the Christian mode, but it's also to help to bring you out of the old Gregorian style into a more modern kind of consciousness. So, uh, as you'll hear, in the end, it doesn't end on the tonic as songs usually do. I am yours, ever yours, will you come? And it takes you off into the infinite. I hope you like this song. God bless you. Long I've called you, my Lord, long I've called you. Many years I have longed for your sight. with the darkness with can